you're very kind. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Um, Dr. Leibengood was scheduled to preach today. She woke up not feeling well, so you get me instead. Is that all right? Okay. So you can turn in your Bibles today to Exodus chapter 3. We are going to be looking today at the call of God on the life of Moses. So a little background where um, I had studied this before. In 2020, we had a few things happening in the world. Anybody remember 2020? Remember that? That was weird, right? Just a few years ago. So in 2020, um, as the world was kind of falling apart, my husband Jeff and I pastor a church in Farmington. We planted it um, almost eight years ago, and so we were pastors in the middle of COVID. And that was a really tough time for anybody who was leading anything. Can anybody agree with that? There were so many different facets, and I remember just kind of as things were wrapping up at the beginning of COVID, and we were looking at the people in our church, and there were people that were scared and people that didn't had very strong opinions, and it was just like this powder keg of, of opinions. And I remember just lying on my face before God and saying, Lord, you have to show me how to lead during this season. I have no idea. Um, it was complicated. There were real fears. There were real concerns. There was a lot of differing opinions. And um, part of being a leader is you don't get to just import your own will. You have to look at everybody else and go, what is the best thing for all of this? And so I remember just asking God to give me some leadership tools during that time for how I could serve and love our church well. And the Lord led me to the life of Moses. And for the next year, I spent uh, every day studying the leadership life of Moses, not just what he did, but how he led people. Because when you look at it, Moses was leading scared, upset, angry people. They came at him when they were mad. And so if you ever are in a situation where you're like, man, I really would like to grow in my leadership for heightened emotions, Moses is a really, really great person to look at. And so I'm going to just share a little bit of what I learned during that time. And today I want to specifically talk about the call of Moses, the time where God meets him at the burning bush and ignites a new season for him, right? Because he's an adult. He's been doing his thing, and yet there comes a moment where God will activate a new season of ministry, a new season of a career, a new season of life, a new location, and this is that moment where God activates Moses. So before we dive into the word, let's just say a prayer. God, I just thank you so much that everything we need for life and godliness is found in your word. And Lord, we can look at these stories, we can look at the people and how you interacted with them. And in that, you can reveal to us next steps, things that you are birthing in us, things you are growing. So I'm praying today, God, that you would speak to the heart of somebody. I believe in this room you are activating people to new seasons. I believe today that you are calling people to new things. And it's not new. You've been preparing it since the beginning of time. But today you're going to drop a new seed for a new season. And I am praying in the name of Jesus that we would all have ears to hear and eyes to see what you're saying to us. In Jesus' name. Everybody said. Amen. All right, let's start in Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of the bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. 
And when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses. And here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals for you're standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And when Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh." You must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. So Moses is out in the wilderness. He's just doing his thing, minding his own business. When the Lord completely disrupts the course of his life to call him into a new season. This wasn't just a career change or a vocational change. This was a complete disruption and reorientation of his life. And for this moment on, Moses' life is never the same. He becomes immersed in this intense assignment that will define the rest of his life, and it will define the lives of hundreds and thousands of people. And so here are a few things that I want us to look at regarding this moment in Moses' life, regarding this call of God. The first thing is this. The Lord had been orchestrating the path of Moses long before this moment at the burning bush right? It's important to remember that the call of God on his life at the burning bush might have seemed out of the blue to Moses. It might have seemed like, what in the world? Why is this happening right now? But it was not out of the blue to God because every step of his birth and childhood was another brick building, the foundation of Moses's leadership. From the moment he was born, his parents had insight and discernment to see that God had a special plan for Moses. Numbers 26, 58, and 59 tells us a little more about Moses' parents. Their names were Amram and Jochebed. Everybody say Jochebed. Keep that in the hopper for when you have children. That'd be really nice. She was also, so his mother Jochebed was also a descendant of Levi, born among the Levites in the land of Egypt. Amram and Jochebed were the parents of Aaron, Moses, and their sister Miriam. And Exodus 2.2 tells us that uh, Moses' mother saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. Hebrews 11.23 says that it was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born because they saw that God had given them an unusual child. And when you have your parents said, God gave us an unusual child when he gave us you, and his parents, some of you are nodding. I'm sorry. I think it's meant in the best possible way here in, in the word of the Lord. God had his hand on Moses' life from the very beginning. 
From the very beginning, his life was filled with miracles. When he was a baby, Moses was put in the basket. You guys have heard that story before. He was put in the basket to save his life from Pharaoh's command to kill all the Hebrew boys. And when Pharaoh's daughter found Moses in the river, his little sister Miriam approached the, a Pharaoh's daughter and asked if she would like to have one of the Hebrew women nurse the baby for her. And so she ran and got her mother. And Pharaoh's daughter paid Jochebed to take care of Moses and to raise him until he was of age. Now, have you ever thought about this? Like, really kind of thought about it? I mean, we all know the story, but really think about all the little details and nuance with this. If Moses grew up in Pharaoh's house, how did he know Aaron and Miriam, right? When God comes to Moses later on and says, I'm going to send your brother Aaron to be your helper, he doesn't go, who's Aaron? Right? He knows Aaron because he was raised in the house of Jochebed. But when it came time for somebody to go into Pharaoh's courts, how did he get in the front door? Is anybody just allowed to walk up to Pharaoh and go, Pharaoh, I'd like to see you? How did he get to go into the courts of Pharaoh? Because he was raised in Pharaoh's house. He was raised in the house of Pharaoh, and he was raised in the house of Jochebed. He was immersed in the God of the Hebrews, he learned their culture. He learned the things that were important. When his mom had him in his house, she taught him everything he needed to know about the God of Jacob, Isaac, and Abraham. And when he was in Pharaoh's courts, he learned about the culture of the Egyptians. He was in that house too. And I want you to think about what a miracle it is that the person that God would use to set the Israelites free had that kind of access and that kind of knowledge, that only happens when the hand of God is building your life brick by brick. And some of you look at your past and you go, man, ah, I hate that I have knowledge of the Egyptians. I hate that this is where I grew up. I hate that this is part of my story. And yet God is saying, don't despise that. What what was meant for evil, I've used for good. I will take every part of your life, and I am building something that you could have never orchestrated on your own. It is so far beyond your own understanding. God was building his story, building his character, in, informing him, teaching him, educating him in ways that he would never fully understand. He knew the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and he knew the Egyptian culture. Some of you need today, need to remember that God has been orchestrating the plan of your life since before you were born. Things that seem like coincidences, they are not coincidences. The stuff you know, the friends you had, the teachers you were under, the church you grew up in, these are all pieces that God is going to use for his kingdom and his glory if you will surrender it over to him. Things that feel like detours were a part of the training and foundation for the things God has for your life. And the place that might seem like the biggest obstacles and problems, these are the things that God will use for his purposes and his glory. And the complicated, difficult, painful parts of your history are the very things that God will use to bring glory to his name. Amen? Amen. So remember, God has been orchestrating the path of Moses long before he called him at the burning bush. The second thing I want you to remember today is that God had given Moses natural talents and abilities 
to accomplish the call that God had for him. In my Bible, when I look at the heading of Exodus chapter 3 in my study Bible, it says, the call of the rescuer. That's what it says in the heading of my Bible. Moses was a rescuer, but Moses did not become a rescuer at the burning bush. Moses had something inside of him that always caused him to want to help people, to rescue people, to intervene on behalf of those who were oppressed. Let me tell you, show you two instances where we see this in scripture. First in Exodus chapter two, it says, many years later when Moses had grown up, he went outside to visit his own people, the Hebrews, and he saw how hard they were forced to work. During his visit, he saw an Egyptian beating one of the Hebrews. And after looking in all directions to make sure no one was watching, Moses killed the Egyptian and hid his body in the sand. Moses saw one of his fellow Hebrews being mistreated and something inside him compelled him to act. But when it's discovered that he has killed one of the Egyptians, Pharaoh finds out, tries to have Moses killed, and so he flees the wilderness and ends up in the land of Midian. Now look what we see again in Exodus chapter 2. Now he's in Midian. When Moses arrived in Midian, he sat down beside a well. And now the priest of Midian had seven daughters who came as usual to draw water to fill water troughs for their father's flocks. But some of the shepherds came and chased them away. So what does Moses do? He jumped up and he rescued the girls from the shepherds. Then he drew, amen, way to go. He he got on his horse and with his hair flowing, and he rescued the girls. Then he, I don't know, that's weird. Then he drew water for their flocks. Okay, but what do we see again? What is his natural inclination? What does he automatically do? When he sees somebody being mistreated, when he sees oppression, when he sees some, he's like, oh, nope, I am in there, right? How many of you sometimes catch yourself doing something, and you're like, how did I get there? It's so natural, you just jump in, and next thing you know, you're like, wow, because it's so ingrained in you. Moses, what was his natural reaction when he saw oppression? He was a rescuer. He had always been a rescuer. Moses was not starting from nothing when he was called at the burning bush. There was something that God had put inside him that felt that charge and that call to the oppressed. It wasn't an accident. It was placed there by God who knew that he was going to need a rescuer for his people. And so he put something inside of Moses that would always respond to the call of the oppressed. So what's your gift? What's your calling? What's that thing in you that just comes out and you're like, I, don't, I can't even help it. It just is there. I'm always leaning towards that. I remember when I was a student here at North Central way back in the 1990s, I remember traveling with one of the music groups, and I remember a woman coming up to me at the end of one of our services, someone I had never met before, someone who didn't know anything about me, and she came up to me, and she said, the Lord spoke something to me about you. And she said, the gift of compassion that you have in your life is not an accident. It was put there by God because it is going to be the driver that is going to form every single part of your life and ministry. I had never, ever thought about that before. I was just naturally like a caregiver. I just, if somebody was sad, even when I was little, I would just run over. I needed to take care of people. I wanted to help. I wanted to do things from other people. I felt compassion. If somebody was hurt, I would catch myself like in a hug before I even knew what I was doing, right? And that was just 
I never thought about the fact that God had put that inside of me to help me be able to accomplish his work and to do his purpose. And it changed everything for me. Suddenly I saw like, whoa, wait a minute, this is what I'm here to do. This is what I'm here to do. It's not just, well, I guess I'm just that way. But there was something that God put inside of me in order to be the driver behind all the things I was going to do. Moses was a rescuer. God put inside of him this need to help right wrongs. And some of you are so frustrated because you're like, oh, I'm just always like, why can't I not let it go? I see something that is oppression and I can't let it go. And you're like, oh, you hate that. Could you flip that today and realize that the Lord has made you a rescuer? That God has put something inside of you to fight oppression? That God has put something inside of you to motivate you to make changes for the kingdom of God? It could be any number of things. It could be you're a problem solver. It could be that you see behind the scenes, you know how to organize things. What is that thing inside of you that you're like, it's just the driver? It runs in front of me before I can even catch up. Moses was a rescuer. What are you? Ask the Lord to show you what that thing is inside of you that he put in there. So God had been orchestrating the call of Moses for his whole life. God had imparted Moses with natural talents and abilities to fulfill the call. And lastly, number three, Moses had to learn to submit his giftings and natural abilities to God. Moses' courage and decisiveness in fighting the Egyptian who was oppressing the Hebrew was good but his timing and his methods were bad. Shouldn't kill people. It's pretty, shouldn't do that. His instinct was good, right? Someone's being mistreated. Someone's being oppressed. This is inside of me. But he just runs off and he just goes in his own thing. And he had to learn how to partner with the Lord, with the things that came naturally to him, and to follow the leading of God and to submit to his lordship, and to bring his natural talents and abilities under the authority of Christ. His instinct was good, but then he assumed responsibility himself. And your natural abilities and talents and passions will get you into some real trouble real quick if you don't learn to submit those things to the Lord and learn to follow his lead, right? Anybody experienced that before? This is where a lot of us get into trouble. We think, well, God made me a rescuer, so look out. We come out swinging, and then we think, whoa, there's a big mess. People are not responding well to my rescuing techniques, right? We come out swinging, and we don't understand, why is this not working? This is my calling. This is what I'm called to do. It's because your natural talents and abilities are only the very beginning of learning how to exercise that gift and walk in the Spirit's leading and guiding right? I can tend to think with my gift of compassion, well, God has made me compassionate and loving and, love, and I love to serve people. So I tra start trying to fix the whole world and I start trying to do everything for everybody and carry the responsibility for everybody's happiness. And pretty soon I'm exhausted and I'm burnt out and I'm stopping. I'll go, God, why? Why, is, why am I so exhausted? You've given me the gift of compassion. I care about people. And he's like, yeah, I gave you the gift of compassion, but you cannot save everybody. I asked you to do this, but I didn't ask you to do all this. And what your natural bent and your natural tendency is, if you don't learn to give it to the Lord and say, teach me how to use this, you're going to make a mess and you're going to burn yourself out. 
and you're going to get to the other side of it, and you're going to go, how did this happen? This is my thing. How could I have failed so miserably in it? Because if we don't learn to take what God has put in us and let him refine us and let him change us and let him teach us how to use those things and submit them under the authority of Christ so that we do it in his way and in his time, we will make a mess. When does God chastise Moses the most? When you look at them in the wilderness? When he does it his own way, right? When he hits the rock instead of speaks to it? That is when the Lord is most, most disciplines him. Because I think Moses had gotten really good at like, okay, God, tell me what to do. I'll do it. Okay, God, tell me what to do. I'll do it. Okay, God, tell me what to do. I'll do it. And all of a sudden, one day he got mad and he just went, I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. And the Lord rebuked him more severely than any other time. You have to take what has been given to you. You have to submit it under the lordship of Christ. And you have to say, God, this is, comes really natural for me, but I recognize I don't know how to use this thing yet. I don't know how to use this tool yet. You have to show me, refine me, help me. The truth was, Moses was not going to rescue the people of Egypt. God was going to rescue the people of Egypt. And he was going to use Moses to do that. But up until now... Moses thought that he could do the rescuing on his own. And so God began teaching. And if you go from, from this call of Moses in Exodus 3 and you start looking at the next few chapters, you will watch God begin to teach him. It's fascinating. If you go in and start studying it, you look at how God says, go do this. And Moses does a small thing. Go do this. And he does another thing. God is teaching him to walk out his gifting in a step-by-step -step manner because he is showing him how to operate in his natural giftings under the authority and submission of Christ. He was going to have to learn really fast that the only way to lead the people was going to be in submission to the Lord's ways, the Lord's plan, and the Lord's timing. And you and I have to learn this lesson, don't we? Our very best intentions, our highest callings, our very natural giftings have to be fully yielded to the authority of Christ. We have to learn to use these gifts. I love Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. that says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he'll make your path straight. But you know, the good news translation, you know what it says? It's my favorite. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and never rely on what you think you know. Don't rely on what you think you know. But remember the Lord in everything you do, and he will show you the right way. We have to learn to yield our gifts and talents under the authority of Jesus. That means learning to wait for his timing. Everything in you might be thinking, I'm going in. I'm diving in. I'm going to rescue. I'm going to help. I'm going to take this. This is my time. I'm going to go do it. Everything in you wants to run full ahead. But if the Lord says, wait, you better be disciplined enough to wait. This means learning to get instruction from him before you start doing anything. You might see something and go, well, there's a problem, and you dive in. You better wait until you get your marching orders. There have been times that I have seen a problem and wanted to dive into it and had to stop and wait, and the Lord literally would give me, say this word, not this. Talk about this, don't talk about that. I've had that distinctive instructions. God needs to show you how. 
Just because the whole big thing is in front of you doesn't mean that you necessarily know how to approach it, but the Lord does. And if you will yield to the Spirit, he will show you exactly what to do. It means laying down your own pride that thinks that because we have a natural talent and instinct for something that we know how to do it. And there are mentors in my life that have looked at me and said, you're wrong. you got to wait. You need some humility in this area. I know you think you know, but you don't know. And I need you to wait. And I need you to trust. And I've had to put those people in my life that I've gone, ooh, everything in me thinks I can just, I can know I can do this. But I've had to have the humility to go, there are things I don't know yet. There are things I haven't seen yet. There's stuff that I don't understand. And so, Lord, I submit myself, my giftings, my talents fully under your authority. We learn to embrace every part of our lives that God has given us. And like Moses, let me tell you, there will come a time when the Lord will activate your call. He will take you into a new season. You've been preparing your whole life for something. You have the tools and abilities and instincts and giftings, and the moment will come when God will say, now's the time. There's a new season. There's something I'm calling you to. Moses was minding his own business, and all of a sudden this bush appeared, and God said, I have a new assignment for you. There's something that I'm asking you to do. So why in that moment? Why in that time? Let's look again at Exodus 3. In verse 9, it says, look, this is what God says. The cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh, and you must lead my people out of Egypt. The call of God is always in response to the cries of the people. The call of God on your life is in response to the cries of the people. So that thing that the Lord has been birthing in your heart, and you're thinking of all of the reasons why you can do it, you can't do it, the obstacles, all the things, this gave me more clarity in my life than anything else because if the Lord is saying, I need you to go, it's because somewhere there's somebody crying out to God and saying, could you please send someone to help me? Could you send someone that knows how to get me out of this? Could you send someone with some wisdom and experience? Could you send me someone that knows the Egyptians and the Hebrews? Could you send me somebody that can help me? And so I, as I was praying this morning, I just feel like some of you, the Lord has been starting something in your spirit. He's been, there's been a new something. I don't know what it is. And you've been kind of going, is this the right time? Is it the right thing? Am I supposed to change my major? Am I supposed to focus on something? Am I going to start praying for something? Am I supposed to do something different? And the Lord is saying, yes, it, I am activating something new in a new season for you. And I've been preparing you all along, and I'm going to teach you, but you have to say yes in that moment. So let's bow our heads and close our eyes as we wrap up today. If that's you today, just as a sign of faith, I'd like you to stand to your feet. If maybe the Lord has just been stirring something in your heart, you haven't known what it is, but you have felt like there might be a call for a new thing. I thought I was going this way, but there's something disrupting. There's something disrupting my life right now, and I don't really know what to do with that. I just want to pray for you 
that God would begin to just give you some clarity and some wisdom as to what that next thing might be. Lord, I thank you, Jesus, that we don't have to make our own way. You are not cryptic with us. And when we come to you willing and open, Father, you show us the path to go. We rely on you. We trust in you with all our hearts. And we trust that you will lead and guide us. And so, Lord, I pray for every person here that has sensed you moving something in their spirit. Lord, seasons of life, seasons of ministry, seasons come and go. And when you are moving us into a new season, we have to have the willingness to listen and the willingness to open our hearts to what you're doing. But I thank you for every person in this place. They are prepared and equipped for what you have called them to do. God, you have been preparing it from the moment they were born. You have put them in situations where they were learning things they didn't even know they were learning. You have equipped them. You have empowered them. You've given them natural talents and abilities and experiences that you're going to use for your kingdom and your glory. So, Lord, right now I pray each one of them would humbly lay those things before you. They would feel the confidence from knowing that you have prepared them, but they would also feel the humility to submit their gifts and talents to you and let you teach them how to move forward. Lord, I pray they wouldn't get ahead of you. I pray they wouldn't lag behind you. I pray, Father, that they would be step in step with what you are doing. And Father, out of this, I pray that we would see new seasons of fruit coming out of the lives of these young people in Jesus' name. I pray, Lord, for the passionate power of the Holy Spirit to be ignited in them. Let them see things they would not see with their own eyes. Let them speak things they would never say with their own mouths. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that they would have the power to do exceedingly abundantly above what they could ever do in their own strength as they submit their talents and abilities and futures to you. We thank you that you lead us and you guide us with perfect faithfulness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you want to come and pray, you can do that. If you want to spend a little more time uh, seeking the Lord, you can do that. Otherwise, God bless you. Have a great day, you guys.